0: your Bibles, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Jesus has had a very busy couple of days. I was thinking about my schedule on a, a last week, and I had gotten up relatively early and spent my time with the Lord. Then I had a Uh, a text from somebody that came in that was (coughs) a little troubling and um, so I addressed that and then uh, we had worship practice so I needed to get uh, the music and chord charts together. I'm so blessed to have Bob here and uh, we are so also blessed to have Bob here Uh, But in doing so, it gives me an opportunity to help my brother Brian and give him some cords. But it it was a little tedious, and so that took place. Then I had some other things that I had to do, and then at 12.30, uh, we had worship practice, which went until uh, close to three, and and then uh, later on that afternoon, Patty and I like to try to have a date on Thursday afternoon. And... uh, And then I found myself driving into the driveway and my my big brother Dan called me in the parking lot reminding me that he has a Bible study at his home that night which I would have liked to have attended. It was just one thing after another, one thing after another. Okay, so at this point in time, what I would like everybody to do, take your hand like this and go, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. But Jesus has had a very busy couple of days. My day is nothing compared to what he was going through. Mark 4 told us that a few days earlier that Jesus had begun to teach by the sea. There in Capernaum. And a great multitude had gathered uh, around him. And at the end of the day, the end of that day after ministering all that day, Going through the parable of the sower, you remember that area of scripture talking to these people, communicating the truths of these people in regards to the, the 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 type of heart that they had, and the way in which they would receive God's word. Would it spring up rapidly, and the cares and concerns of the world would choke it out? Would it fall along uh, hardened ground and not even start to grow at all? Would it? Would it? find a fertile heart that would take the word of God seriously and all of a sudden fruit would start to to develop and build and there would be substance that would be based upon the work of the Holy Spirit and the life of that individual. What might it be? As he told about these different types of soils, he was ministering. He left those that he had been speaking to, the the, the the large group of people, so to speak, and then was with his disciples, and he was discipling them, going into greater detail as to what the parables meant. Then after that, he finds himself. He goes, "Hey, let's get in this boat and go to the other side." So they take him to the other side. Jesus is exhausted. If you think that Jesus was using his omnipotence during his time on this earth, he felt pain. He felt difficulty. He. As I've said in the past, working with wood, I'm sure he got splinters. I'm sure he stubbed his toes on rocks as he was walking. He experienced the physical difficulties of this life, ultimately his death on the cross. But what was taking place there is he was tired, and he finds himself then in the the stern of this boat, just trying to catch some Z's. Could we just, like, go to the other side? Interestingly enough, what did he say? Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Oftentimes, we have his promises in his word, and we forget these are promises from God, and we forget his faithfulness. We forget what he has told us in regards to the strength necessary for life and godliness, and we start to allow our surrounding circumstances to get us down, which is exactly what happened as he was trying to make it to the other side of the lake. He just wants to catch some disease. He just wants to take a nap. And all of a sudden, a great squall, it, whether the enemy started that or whatever it might have been, it was such that it was so intense, so powerful, that his disciples that were in the boat with him thought that they were going to perish, thought that they were going to drown. And so what do they do? They wake him up. And they ask him this absurd question. Don't you care that we're drowning? And he has to get up. He rebukes the wind. And I I think he's thinking, great, okay, will I ever get back to sleep? The the ride was only about six or seven miles from the the west side over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee in this area. So he gets there. As soon as he gets out of the boat, you know, he's not greeted by, you know, uh, the, the welcome wagon. Uh, a demoniac comes running at him, and immediately he's in this situation with this demoniac. Well, Jesus ministers to the man, ministers to him powerfully in such a way that certainly the man's life is changed, but because of the miracles that he performed in this man's life, other things that taken place, the people there in that region of, of, of Gadara, they didn't want Jesus around. They didn't want him to be there to interfere with their lifestyle. Changes were going to come if Jesus was going to stay in that area. And they begged him to leave, and he left. Changes will come in our lives, Christian, if we will allow him to stay with us. But if we say, you know, not now, not now, don't have the time. You're messing with my life. You're messing with my plans. Jesus is say, Fine. Have it your way jesus came back to the other side as soon as he got to the other side of the of the lake as he had returned now doesn't say that he went to his house and and you know had some lunch and rested for a second as soon as he got to the other side It says, now when Jesus had crossed over, we are in the book of Mark, chapter 5, picking up in verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again, in other words, coming back from Gadara, he had had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name and when he saw him he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying my little daughter lies at the point of death come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live so jesus went with him and the great multitude followed and thronged about him father we pray that you would bless the reading of your word We ask humbly, yet we ask intensely, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts this day that we would understand that you are the one who has the words to life and we would receive these words, this sustenance, this wisdom, this insight, this exhortation and desire to live a life that would indicate that you have greater influence on us than the waves around us, the challenges around us or even the throngs of people around us, God. Be our teacher this day. Teach us to value your word and how it is that you desire to encourage, strengthen your children in and through it. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you do desire to feed your lambs. Feed us this day, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we pick this up right away, we realize that there is a a, a ruler of the synagogue A ruler of the synagogue in this particular context he managed both the spiritual and the business affairs of the synagogue it might be somewhat like a pastor today he takes care of the business he's making he's making song charts he's putting together teachings he's having worship practice he's meeting people out in the community whatever it might be the ruler of the synagogue had responsibilities little sidebar, I think it was interesting because they did allow him originally, going back to the first portion of Mark, they did allow Jesus to speak in the temple, as you recall, in the synagogue, excuse me, in the synagogue. But we realize now that there were a lot of problems that developed, and as Jesus' popularity and the reality of God's hand upon Jesus was more and more clear, We see that the religious leaders of the day were a little bit taken back, to put it nicely. I would say that they perhaps were intimidated. I would say perhaps that they were a little bit jealous and envious and probably somewhat convicted. That'll happen to you and me sometimes when we're around somebody and maybe we know that we have been really slackered, not you, me, in the things that God has called me to do. Maybe I haven't gotten up in the morning and spent the type of time that I've meant to I have been meaning to spend with him. Maybe I've gotten up and and, and said my prayers as I'm walking from, from the kitchen with my coffee in one hand, my briefcase in the other, and saying, God please bless my day. I'm off and running. And I hadn't stopped to take time. And then you meet somebody and they say, Man, I was with the Lord today. He showed me the coolest thing in the scripture. And it's like, that's a great, great thing. I'm glad he showed you that. I wish he had shown me that. Well, what was taking place is Jesus was having an amazing, an amazing time with the Father, and the religious leaders were, were intimidated and threatened by this, so much so as the people were, were thronging to Jesus that they felt that they needed to start trying to put an end to this. And ultimately, we know that they will attempt think that they will be able to do so. But now we have this leader, this, this leader here in the, in the ruler of the synagogue. And, and what is he doing? He's going against his peer pressure, all of the people that he ministers with, and he's coming to this Jesus that they have been pushing out of the synagogue they had been trying to to quench and squelch his ministry he knew he understood and he saw jesus and what does he do he fell at his feet and it's so important that we would understand the first point that we're seeing here we talked about this on wednesday night in regards to um when when abram it had been 25 years since he had heard from god talk about the father of faith god had told him i'm going to make you a great nation um, a, 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 as vast as the stars in the sky, 25 years. No, 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 no. He heard from, from, from Hagar. No, Hagar heard from God and came back and told Abram that she was going to have his son and his name would be Ishmael. Tw- then 13 years passed and God speaks to Abram and what does he do, Christian? He falls on his face That's something that I think we are losing. We are in such a prideful, such a a, a self-grandizing day and age that we live in. We can have our snippets of information. We can have our I'm special, oh yeah, I'm special mentality that prevails. And consequently, when it's time for us to humble ourselves and let the Lord be our Lord and us to decrease and allow him to increase, there's difficulty there. And we need, I need, I want us in this room. I can't do anything out in the other part of this town. But I want us to be the kind of people that you're walking, you're walking by and you're talking to God. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, would you stop for a second? Would you stop for a second? And you go, "Oh God, God, I'm sorry that I have just been expecting you to follow me around and listen to my prayers. I'm falling at your feet, acknowledging your holiness, acknowledging your righteousness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit this day, God, that I would be able to represent you in a manner that would be pleasing, Father. And that we would take time to stop and know that he's God. And oftentimes we don't do that. We just think he's out there and we don't realize what makes Christianity different than any other religion out there? I've been down the road a time or two. I've looked at different dr- religions in my past life, trying to find, you know, like, the oh, no, this one's a little too intense. Oh, this one's a little too soft. Oh, this one's just right. Trying to find the right religion. You know, as you decrease and he increases in your life and we understand the concept of it's no longer being us living but Christ living in us, Christianity is just Right? is just right but it starts with humility it starts with a receptiveness that recognizes that god wants to speak his heart to us that we then would be able to be his vessels be his people that he can communicate to a lost and dying world world about jesus and the grace that's available through that type of relationship this guy came and he fell at his feet and then what does he do he begged him saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Christian, you can't worship Jesus from a distance. He could have said, hey, uh, I'll have my secretary get in touch with your secretary and we'll get a time together and we'll all do lunch. No, he had to go to Jesus. He had to humble himself. He fell at his feet, acknowledging who Jesus is, who Jesus was, and then he made his request with humility. He earnestly, he earnestly said, My little girl, she lies to the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she'll live. You know, sometimes you gotta get up out of your seat. Sometimes if there's an altar call. How many times has there been an altar call and you've been too prideful to get up? Oh, God's cool. He understands me. He underst- I, can, I, can, I can talk to him in my bedroom. And you certainly, you can. But sometimes it takes some feet to our faith in order to activate some of the things that God wants to do in our life. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me all who are labor." who labor and are heavy laden. He says, come to me. Hey, come to me, and I will give you rest. And then I love James 4.8. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. you you've got to draw near, to and I have this silly illustration, and I know that there's most of you guys will say, Biggs, you're missing it by a mile. I could probably have my brother explain it more clearly. But you have space shuttle and it has these tiles on it that are meant to deflect the heat created by the friction as it's coming back into our atmosphere or god forbid if it got too close to the sun or to a planet that might be emitting a type of heat that would be tremendous and i've thought about this in the past if in fact that did take place the first thing that would start burning off of that space shuttle would be decals. Little things that are on it. And they'd be, they'd be just immediately burned off by that heat as they're getting close to a Christian. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. First off, we're talking about God the God that we need to be ready to come before him on our faces with the humility, with a reverence, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. It doesn't say, draw hey, clo- I'll draw close to you if you draw close to me. No, the order in which this is supposed to take place is that you have an understanding that he is God, you're not, and you would draw close to him. And then in doing so, A lot of stuff in your life is going to start getting burned away because you cannot get close to God and continue to wear those decals that define some other identity. Jesus will be that which will withstand Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The only thing that was burned away from them were the ropes that were binding them and who was in that fire with them. Whoa! there's a fourth person in there looking like the Son of God. Jesus will be with you. He will be with us. But it's going to be sometimes a little difficult because he does not leave us as we are. There's an expression, I want us to always remember this, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know. No matter what your life is, no matter what your past has been, Jesus loves you so much, he will accept you right where you are. You could have been Mach 3 with your hair on fire last night, and you're in this church, and he loves you so much he will accept you right where you are. You're going, hallelujah, that's great to hear, But, 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 but wait. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. And he will start working in your lives. And then the perspective that you in the past have used to to come to conclusions about the political arena, the social arena, the, the emotional issues that you encounter will be brought into clarity, brought into focus through the Holy Spirit that gives us the P word of this church, the perspective necessary to be able to navigate this life in a glorifying manner This man had this divine epiphany. He knew who Jesus was. He'd seen the miracles. He was probably keeping quiet. I mean, he's in a circle of people that that are, are, are working ultimately to destroy Jesus. But he knows where there is grace, where there is mercy. Adam Clark said, Notice four things displayed by Jairus that are necessary for answered prayer. Notice four things that are necessary for answered prayer. Number one, we must put ourselves in the presence of Jesus. One of the rulers of the synagogue, he came to Jesus. He got up out of his chair, out of his comfort zone, past the peer pressures, and he met Jesus amidst the throngs of all of those people. Number two, we must humble ourselves sincerely before Jesus. This man fell at his feet. I'm too sophisticated. I'm too refined. I ain't even going to lift my hands to the Lord. Come on, come on. You see these people sometimes. I remember when I was first, I'd see people lifting their hands to the Lord. I'm not talking about making a spectacle, but I am talking about when your adoration for God is such that that if, if such, if you stand on your tiptoes to be able to, to reach out and to, to, to hang on to our Lord in your acts of worship. And I remember you'd start out like this and I'd look around and, you know, there'd be people worshiping God and I'd kind of go like this. And I'd get a little more bold and maybe like, Like this. Then you get like this. It's like you're trying to push him up. Okay, I'll worship you like this. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, God, my great and awesome God, I come to you to honor you today. And you're singing to the Lord that has saved you. You're singing to the Lord that's fixed your marriage. You're saving, singing to the Lord that's, that's, that's made, made unity within wayward children. You're singing to the Lord that has that's provided the finances that you thought were impossible. You're singing to the Lord that's physically touched you. You're singing to the Lord that's filled you to the Holy Spirit to the point where you could say, Oh God, You know, those things would be nice, but what matters most importantly is not my will, but thy will be done. And the perspective now is that our job, our ministry, our purpose, this side of glory is merely to bring glory to the Lord. My big brother Dan back there has a bus, and he hands these buses out to people. He gave me one to remind us God's driving the bus, not you. Let him drive the bus Patty and I were watching a a, a marriage uh, uh, CD video presentation the other day and it was talking about a little boy who had gone into a classroom and the mother had come in and had made this great great birthday party for her little boy and there was some little punk in the back room just raising heck and throwing things around and, and messing with the packages and the mother walked up and said, young man, this is not your party. And Christian, this is not our party. We're living in a day and age where the church, where the, where the social gospel would try to tell you it's all about you. It's your party. But no, this is the Lord's party that he's throwing for us. And he is our host. And we are to bring glory to him. Everything that we do in this life is to bring glory to him and some of them are very comfortable hey (laughs) I'm digging bringing glory to you Lord we're hugging one another we're praying with one another we're singing praise we're sharing God's word we're watching people come to know you and then there's challenges but they're all meant to bring glory to the Lord and Jairus understood that the four things displayed we put ourselves in the presence of Jesus first off We humble ourselves. We lay open our request that we would bring our request and supplications before God. And He will give us then, as we have come before Him with thanksgiving, a peace that surpasses our understanding because we know He's heard our prayers. And then we have this confidence in the power that He is capable of meeting us, capable of doing amazing things in our lives. And he said, come lay your hands on my child that she may be healed and that she may live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and they thronged him and a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had was no better but rather grew worse. This woman was desperate Think of the thing. I would probably go, hey, hey, don't, don't stop and talk to this woman. Jesus, come on, come on, come on, come on. My daughter, my daughter's dying. Hello, excuse me. I got to Jesus first. I was first. Me, me, me. And Jairus was quiet. Jesus did not mind being interrupted by this woman. Morgan says in his com- commentary by the very law of her people, She was ostracized from all society and and must not come into contact with her old friends. She was excommunicated from the services of the synagogue and thus shut out from the women's court in the temple. And she had this condition that had been taking place for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but grew worse. She went to the doctor. Doctors couldn't help her. There are all kinds of, when you look in the Talmud, all kinds of, of ways in which they tried to treat this woman's problem, we're all adults here. It's considered that she was having um, female problems. And this woman had been having a period for about 12 years. Nothing they could do about it. The Levitical law said that during that time she was considered unclean. Because she was considered unclean, she couldn't touch anybody without making them unclean. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't have any kind of of, of close activity. She essentially had been reduced to a leper at this time. The diversity of the people that Jesus is working with, he went to a demoniac. That cat wasn't even looking for Jesus. He was having a great time in the graveyard just being crazy. And Jesus shows up. He gets out of the boat when he returns to the other side and a religious leader is there who wants him to come and Heal his daughter. On the way to healing that daughter, a woman who was excommunicated, who was not, 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 not ceremonially clean enough to be around people, to touch people, or to be in the temple, to be in the women's court, she had been ostracized, removed from the things of God for 12 years. Jesus had time to stop and Look at her needs. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I can only touch his clothes. I shall be made well. Now, we could go off on issues in regards to superstitions. We could go off into issues in regarding that this woman did not understand who Jesus was, and she thought there's some kind of superstitious way if I just touch his clothes, if his shadow will just fall on me, if I can just... But there's more here. Because she knew who Jesus was, and by knowing who Jesus is, that propelled, if you will, Her to reach out to him and be a recipient of the grace that's available to those who come to him by faith. And she came to him in faith. You know, some medical problems are easy to talk about. Yeah, I blew up my rotator cuff playing football. Yeah, I was on a dirt bike and, you know, had a wreck. There are some things I'd rather not talk about, it's kind of embarrassing. All kinds of medical issues. That's a little too much information. It's just like, it's Thank you. We'll just pray for you. But we look at this situation. This woman humbled herself. That is the beginning. The biggest challenge ah, that we have in, in, in our lives as Christians is the inability to humble ourselves because we love ourselves so much. We have such a high opinion of ourselves. This party's all about me all through the day i me mean mine i me mean mine i me mean mine is the great philosopher john lennon taught us i me mean mine no 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 we're to be decreasing jesus is increasing and when that activity is taking place there is that whoosh, that place where we navigate this life that we have a peace that surpasses our understanding and this woman she didn't care about the embarrassment she knew she was ceremonial unclean, ceremonially unclean. And she thought, if I can just touch him, I'll be well. And we look at this. She was a bit superstitious, thinking that she could just touch his garments, but those garments were a directive as to who he was. Communion. We take that little wafer. <laughs> it's a little wafer. We take that little... smidgen of of grape juice or whatever is in those little things that we get at times. And we know that it represents, it's a point of focus of Jesus going to the cross for us. The abuse that he went through at the hands of men who were trying to destroy him. And then the blood which ultimately flowed from his body because of that abuse that, that washed our sins away, though our sins were scarlet. These realities come in and you just can't, can't, Pop the wafer in your mouth and and, and wash it down with the grape juice without stopping to think, do this in remembrance of me. These are moments in time. She looked at that garment. She knew she was unclean. She knew that she had this problem that it would be maybe easy to try to keep secret. But God's going to bring things to the surface. God's going to, whether it's embarrassing, whether it's awkward, whether... God will bring these things to the surface, Christian, because where they're embarrassing, awkward situations, think about this for a minute. The enemy's, the enemy's got you there. He, he locks you up. You even find yourself, well, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Let's change the subject real quick. Let's God will bring these things out. Because if we know the Lord the way he wants us to know him and and, and, and and utilizing what truly matters, now there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, man, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, no, not one, only Jesus Christ. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he's going to be the one that will lift you up. And when she did that, when she touched his garment. Immediately, the fountain, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Something happened. Oh, God, something happened. Have you been in worship? Did something happen when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or did somebody get you in a Holy Spirit headlock and say, you need to go down there and accept Jesus? I don't know, good luck with that. I see people accept Jesus all the time and, and three weeks down the road. One of the reasons, why don't you have altar calls at your church? Once in a while we do, as the Holy Spirit would have us do. But to do that, just like something we just do, so often people will come up and accept the Lord supposedly and they'll go right back out in the world, go right back home with their meaningful associate, whatever the situation might be, Oh, when God touches you guys when the Lord has touched us it's like oh God oh God you are holy and you have washed me clean you have cast my past as far as the east is from the west and you've made me a new creation and there's a joy there that goes beyond an emotional superficial superficial like topical treatment it goes straight to the heart she felt something happen in her body. And Jesus felt it too. And immediately, knowing to himself, in himself, that power had gone out of him, he turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And immediately the guy's going, Come on, what are you talking about? We're in a huge crowd. This is like, you know, we're all trying, we're all trying to get into the Super Bowl altogether. You know, we're all crowded here. One person said it would be interesting to know what exactly power had gone out of him, means this is the only healing or miracle in the ministry of Jesus or anyone else in the Bible that mentions this idea. From every other healing in the ministry of Jesus, we don't get the idea that God's healing power was communicated by a noticeable surge of power flowing through Jesus and to someone else. Yet on this occasion, something like that happened, even if we don't know how. And we don't. We can all come up with all kinds of great ideas. And and if you want to play that game, I'm probably one of the best. I can come up with a lot of them too right there with you. But something happened. And I believe what happened was Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, constantly with a heart for the lost, constantly knowing that he was headed towards the cross, constantly knowing that that demoniac, that, that Jairus's daughter, Jairus, this woman, he's going to be going to the cross for all of these people. And you can bump into Jesus all day long. But when you touch Jesus for a purpose, it's a big difference, guys. People are bumping into him all the time, but when he touches you, there's a power that happens, and you know, back in the 60s, not 60s, but I'm saved, and I know that I am saved, and I know that I am, and we had all of these worship songs, and you only needed to no know two guitars on your, two chords on your guitar, and you only, you didn't need an overhead, born again and I know that I am spirit-filled and I know that I'm heaven-bound and I know but all those things are true and when you're singing these things I'm saved I'm so glad I know that I am born again and you're singing these songs about Jesus there's a difference there's a difference and you know all of a sudden this book has meaning All of a sudden, you're not just taking your punch list of things to God that you want him to fix. But the first thing that happens is, God, thank you that you hear my prayers. Thank you that those things that would separate me have been cast as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that my sin, my worldliness, my self-absorbed notions have been rent in two like that curtain. And now I have access to you through Jesus Christ's finished work of the cross. Thank you, Papa God. And there's a gratitude, a gratitude. Jesus turns around the crowd, who touched me? He knew that something powerful had happened. But his disciples said to him, see the multitude thronging around you? Who touched you? And he looked around to see her, to to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, trembling fearing and trembling, sounds a little bit like humility to me once again, amen? Fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her came, and what did she do? She fell down on her face too. That seems to be something that people do when they understand that they're in the presence of God. They understand God's grace. They understand God's provision. They understand what he is offering them and the gratitude and the appreciation for something that's so important, whether it's to heal a, a dying child, whether it's to bring a right mind to a demoniac, or whether it's to help a woman who's been having a period for 12 years to be, to be healed, you fall on your face before God. There's an appreciation. There's a gratitude. I start to digress, and, but I, Christian, one of the problems that we seem to have so often is, is there's not a gratitude. We've not pondered the depth of what it means to have our sins cast as far as the east is from the west. We've not stopped and taken time to think about, though our sins were as scarlet, we've been washed white as snow in His blood. We have not stopped to think about that the only way in which we can have access to the Father is by grace that we have received through the finished work of the cross. Those are concepts that if we will just try to fall asleep at night thinking about those, it will help our lives powerfully when it comes to the kind of gratitude that we need before the Lord. It's a broken and contrite heart that God's looking for. This woman was fearing and trembling and she fell down at him. And what did she do? She told the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help her, God. You can't jive the Lord. You can't say, God, I don't wanna say this, I'm so ashamed of my sin, God, don't, I'd rather not go into it, God, no, I'd rather not go, no, 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 you tell him everything. You begin right now, today, if you have not done so, Telling him everything. Why is there fear? Why is there insecurity? Why is it that you you keep succumbing to this, this ongoing issue? Why is it that you can't whip that problem? Why, why, why? You can come to God with all of these whys. And he is faithful and just. Number one, to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And number two, to give you a strength and a courage to work through there. But oftentimes we're too prideful. We're too hip. We're too self-absorbed. This is my party, and I'll cry if I want to. Don't get me started. Anyway, (laughs) this is about the Lord, and that we would come to him and let him have that kind of victory in our lives. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And I thought about this is because this is some kind of health-wealth mentality, mind over matter, click your heels together three times and say there's no place like home and God's going to answer your prayers. No, no, no. Her faith has made her well. But it's a very simple answer to that question. Where did her faith bring her? Her faith brought her to Jesus. That's where the victory is. That's where the faith, it's not a matter of of some kind of Zen approach to life or some kind of new age mentality that says life is an illusion and you will create what you want out of your perspective. No, it's a truth that comes from knowing who the Lord is and trusting who God is and knowing what he can do and what he's capable of doing in our life. And we come to him in faith and confidence and trust that he is who the Bible says that he is and he is faithful and just to receive those who come to him in humility. And this woman came to him in faith. Yeah, she came to him with faith in Jesus. And Jesus might ask us to do embarrassing things at times. Might ask us to humble ourselves in order for prayer. You have not because you ask not. Nothing worse than being too prideful to to let people pray for you. Oh, no, no, not me. No, I, don't, I don't, I'm fine, God. No, man, don't you, don't, don't do that. Tell him all your sins. Confess these things. Tell him about your suffering. Tell him about your difficulties. And he will meet you there. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. Where does faith come from, Christian? Hearing. God bless you guys. Here, turn up the mic. They said, yes, yes. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You learn the characteristics. You learn the traits. You learn the qualities. You learn the the fiber, the substance. If such is possible, this side of glory of Jesus. And you say, he did this with Abraham. And I heard a pastor say a while back, don't, don't get into some, some, once again, health wealth thing. I, it was Matt Chandler, actually, that said, he goes, Christian, you're not David. You're David. You're David. And all your challenges out there are Goliath. No, no, no. That ain't the, you might be able to look at that as an illustration of what God did in David's life. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You, I, we, Are individuals that are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and we can do all three things through Christ who strengthens us and as this woman came to him in humility and confession told him everything that had happened all the money she'd spent all the horrific things that she had gone through probably at the hand of these physicians of the day who knew nothing basically about biology trying to fix her with this problem She was at Jesus' feet as a last resort. I pray oftentimes, Christian, that it would be our first resort, but oftentimes we have to go through a lot of resorts. (laughs) Not talking ski lodges. We have to go through a lot of resorts before we can get to that last resort that's there to give us a hope, to give us a purpose, to give us a confidence that's able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy, knowing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wanna hear, Well, I, I can probably outdo everybody in the room as far as how, how sordid my past was. But who cares? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What matters is that the old has passed away. Jesus has brought us victory, and he brought this poor woman who was totally at the end of her hopes, and he brought her healing. And it hit her so powerfully that the, that the power of God came upon her and instantly healed her. And Jesus recognized that this is a woman who is desiring a touch so much from me. Whoa, whoa, who touched me? No, everybody's touching you. No, 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 no. somebody touched me that really wanted to touch me. Do we really want to touch the Lord? Do we really want to experience him or do we just want to keep it out here where he's not too much in our lives? Because if he is, he might start changing us and as we draw closer to him, he might start jettisoning and burning away stuff that's, that's totally useless in regards to the path that he has us on for eternity. That's what we want to walk in, that kind of hope. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your patience and your kindness. I pray, Lord, that you would go with us. Father, help us to to walk by faith and not by sight. So often we have tendency, Lord, when we look at a scripture like that, to pinpoint it into a specific situation. Father, that we would walk by faith and knowing that that the enemy has no hold on us anymore. We're aware of our shortcomings, but we're more aware of the cleansing blood of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. That's what we're aware of. That's where the victory is. This is your party, Father. We are honored and blessed and humbled to be your guests, to be called to your banquet table. Allow us to keep our perspective in such a way that our marching orders, this side of glory, are only to bring you glory. That people would see Jesus in and through us, whether it's through our great joys or our difficulties, that Jesus would be glorified. Help us to keep our perspective on the eternal prize, not getting caught up in some temporary endeavor where moth and rust will ultimately destroy that we would be filled with a joy and a hope as we draw close to you. You start burning off all of this dross, all of this stuff that interferes with us being able to be right there, right there in this sweet, precious, ongoing relationship with you that you have provided us through the finished work of the cross. I pray, Father, if there's anybody in the room that has been hanging on to things like this, hanging on to issues that have kept them from being able to come right up to the throne and be there with humility, yet gratitude that they are there because of the finished work of the cross, that today would be the day that they would understand, today would be the day that we would all understand that you have come to give us life, to give us a hope, to give us a purpose, As you told in Jeremiah, it's not about calamity. It's not about the challenges of Babylon or the world. It's about what you want to do in lives that are yielded to you. Be blessed this day. Be appreciated. Be trusted. Be adored. Be worshipped in our song, in our countenance, in our hopes, in our dreams, in our confidence. Because you, you, you have told us that our king is is the author, and he's the finisher of our faith. He's writing this story, and he's blessed us with telling us how it ends. And we thank you. Let us walk towards that prize as the apostle did. Apostle Paul pressing on towards the upward calling, throwing off those things that would encumber and running this race that's set before us for your glory. Bless this church, Lord. Let us love you. Let us love your word. Let us love the things that you've done. Let us value the cross. Let us be a humble people that recognize that everything we have have been gifts that you have given us for your glory, and we would utilize those gifts to bless others. Teach us to worship you. Teach us to pray. Teach us to meditate upon your word, to recognize that our faith is bolstered by reading your word and understanding your character and recognizing, Father, that's the way you work in our lives. The same way you worked in David's life. The same way you have worked in in the lives of the, the, the patriarchs that came down through the ages in the Old Testament. The same way you worked in this precious woman. Who had that issue of, of blood for so many years. The same way you worked in the life of a demoniac. Be blessed. Be blessed with our trust in you. Be blessed with our trust in the finished work of the cross. Be blessed with our appreciation and gratitude. For Jesus dying for our sins. To give us eternal life through his victory. Be blessed father by your people in Jesus name. Amen.